and thank you for joining me today for another episode of Titanium Blonde Talks, the podcast that's for women, about women, uplifting and supporting women, especially right now. Joining me today is one of my co-hosts for Topic Talk and one of my first guests in the original podcast, Jenna, and she is back to have a little conversation about where she is, what's going on, and we're just going to let it flow from there. So thank you for joining me today, Jenna. Thank you so much for bringing me back. <laughs> so what have you been up to lately? Because I know, you know, you're a yoga instructor and this has hit that category of folks pretty hard in terms of how you can maintain some source of income and keep working with your clients. So what are you up to with all of that? Well, it all kind of, I kind of have two answers for that because a lot has changed over the last, over the weekend, over the last couple of days. So from this first time that we, you know, had our stay at home order and gyms and studios were closed, you know, it was about a week between that announcement and the closure of the doors to um, moving everything to an online platform. And I had started doing a few of my own. I, I jumped into my YouTube, which I'd been putting off for years and years and years. And I decided to put up a couple videos. They were terrible. They weren't high quality. They weren't edited well. I was just like, people need yoga. So yes. I'm going to put something up and I, I'm going to let go of my expectations of myself, let go of my need to be perfect and have everything that's been holding me back from doing it. I'm going to let all of that go and put something online. Um, so I did that. I did a few videos there. And then most of my studios moved their classes to an online platform as well. So I had seven classes through studios throughout the week. Mm -hmm. And I had a corporate class who I was teaching one class a week in their building and they brought me on for two additional classes online. So instead of cutting those, they brought on more for their employees, That's which I thought great. was really cool. Yeah, yeah. It was really neat. So I, up until a couple of days ago, I had been teaching 10 classes online virtually and I had two private clients who I was doing outdoors, you know, no contact, keeping yeah. social distancing where I had four sessions between the, the two clients a week. Mm -hmm. So I've been really busy. You've been and busy. Yes. Yeah. And so especially on the days um, for my online classes, I had a couple days a week where I was teaching three classes a day and it's different than teaching in a studio where I don't do the class. Like I'm not a demo. I don't do the whole class when I teach, but having mm -hmm. to <laughs> do the class, speak yeah. through the class, make sure it's coming across in a way that they can receive it on the other end of a screen. It's just a whole different ball game. And yeah. the first two weeks into that, I was beat. I was absolutely yeah. run down. Yeah. My body was like, I can't sustain, like I can't keep doing this. I kind of shifted a few things. I started putting less pressure on myself to create the coolest, funnest content I could for, for the online platforms. And I started teaching kind of the same class throughout the week to the different audiences that I was teaching just to kind of minimize my effort the best that I could. Not minimize it, but um, make it more sustainable. Well, um, and conserve your energy. That's the only yeah, way to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Are you finding that I've been teaching shorter classes rather than doing 60 or 75 minutes? It's between like 50 and maybe 55 because 
people's attention spans right now are not, it's not the same as being in a room with you. I think that honestly, people are just happy to have any yoga. So like you, it's like, I don't need to teach something new and then, you know, do Mm -hmm. something amazing and different every single time that they just kind of want to be rooted and grounded. And so they want their routine too. I think it's this whole sense of routine and familiarity and like this little bit of control of like, this is what my life was before. And I can maintain this little bit of normalcy. (laughs) And it gives them a little bit of structure in their day, Uh right? I don't know what the fuck else I'm doing the rest of the day, but I got yoga right here. I have yoga. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, but to answer answer your question, I, most of my hour long classes that would be hour anyway I continue teaching hour-longs I have two 90-minute classes a week and they had asked me to teach a full 90 and I I cut it down to about 70 70 75 minutes yeah which I think is more than enough for an online class yeah 90 minutes is is tough to maintain in an online Mm -hmm. class and and like you you know when I teach a lot of times in the classroom I am I teach on the fly. I'm teaching by the energy mm-hmm. that's in the room. I don't mm-hmm. do a lot of demo unless it's something brand new that they haven't ever seen before right. from me. But, you know, most of my students are regular students. I get, you know, new people occasionally, but so I walk and talk. And so yeah. it's it's been, I mean, that like you, the first couple of weeks I was teaching, I would get done and be like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Yeah, I was be, and then I was still trying to maintain my own fitness routine, right? Um, you know, and I w- I have not taken a yoga class that wasn't my own since this whole thing started because I don't I mean, have the energy to do so. I take that back. I am taking um, once a week. There's a studio in Mill Creek that I did a workshop at uh, at the beginning of March, and um, the instructor that owns that studio that hosted it, she is getting certified in the Hannah Somatics that I've been studying, and she offers a somatics class every Tuesday night, and basically you lay on the floor. Somatics is very small, slow movements, and it completely changes your body. So I've started teaching some somatics mixed in with the yoga. It's really good for chronic contraction in your body. And I'm finding myself and many other people are having a lot of chronic contraction due to stress, due to anxiety, Mm -hmm. due to just a total upheaval of everyone's life. So I have found that that is the one thing I've signed up for other classes and not shown up. That's the one class I show up for every week and it's made a huge difference in my life. But other than that... What platform is that on? She, it's not on Zoom. She, I mean, it is on Zoom, but the name of the studio is Yoga in the Center and it's in Mill Creek, Washington. And she's, she's on, if you look up Yoga in the Center on Instagram, they're on Instagram. Okay. And they've got a whole host of classes, but I'll tell you, her somatics is fantastic. And I've been studying out of a book and she does movements that make that I recognize, but she also adds some other stuff in. So last week was all around psoas pain because people are sitting so much more. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and working and, and you're not sitting at a desk. So you're sitting on your couch, you're sitting and it's dining room table, kind of, like whatever. Right, yeah. right. The week before that was all about head, neck and shoulder. And I mean, we get all done and it's like, I just want to lay here and feel this because I feel so fabulous when I get done. So it's, uh, and she's got, you know, they offer packages and stuff, but I mean, it's worth the 18 bucks I pay every week because every week I come away from that going, this is the most amazing thing I've ever done. So. Oh, good. Uh, I, yeah, I haven't yeah. heard about it. I'm really interested in looking into it. 
yeah, the somatics thing I've been toying around with for the last year or so, and uh, just learning a lot from other people. And then I've got a book that was recommended that I've been working with from Joseph Hanna. It's very interesting. I, I have learned through trial and error, and the more I do it, the more I realize that it's, it's all about retraining your central nervous system to work in tandem with your muscular system. That okay. As we get busy in life, the brain can only hold so much. So you're, the brain is worried about my money and my job and my kids and blah, 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 and it loses connection with your muscular movement patterns, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So as you do some of this stuff, it really brings it back into, and it's very basic, very slow stuff, but I started doing the pelvic tilts every morning and every night and totally released my spine from chronic contraction oh, cool. in certain areas. And you get up and I get up off the floor and go, I did absolutely like really no, nothing big deal, but totally changed you how feel I better. feel. So, mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's good. So, I'm happy to hear that. Oh yeah. So I no, just going to like kind of circle it back. So this week I have hardly any classes, any online oh. classes right now. I think I'll have my three corporate two studio classes. What's and going so on I there? feel, um, uh, I don't know. I'm just okay. gonna, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think right. studios are kind of shifting. I think that the online stuff can only sustain for so long, you know, they need to have continuous support from members and from, from people showing up to the classes I'm assuming. So I think it's just a business owners evaluating, you know, the process and, and finding out what works for everybody involved. So this is actually my first week where I'm like, I feel kind of in the place where other people have been for the last few weeks where they've got all this extra time on their hands and like, they don't right. know what to do with their, themselves. Like I've been a little bit envious of those people. I mean, I know it, it kind of sounds crappy because I know it's not good to like not have your work and not have jobs and not have stuff to do, but I'm kind of like, I've got friends who are like, Oh, I've got, dove into my, you know, self-exploration and I've done this fantastic meditation right. practice and I'm doing all this reading and all this journaling and all, I'm like a whole new person coming out of this. And I'm like, I need a nap. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm right I'm not, there with I don't you. have that time. I haven't had that time to just where everyone's like, well, we need this time to heal and pause and reflect. And I'm like, well, I haven't had that. So I feel like this might be my first week kind of to take advantage of that a little bit and see, you know, I, I don't really know what to expect on the other end of it. But well, it's interesting, you know, the, the health club that I work for, when they were doing when the owners were doing some modeling about how to stay solvent for as long as possible to try and ride this out till we could open up again. They were doing some business modeling and I went to the owner and I said, you know what? I said, I think I can get all the personal trainers up online to work with their training clients. And we can start by offering a small segment of our group fitness classes to try and keep our members engaged. Mm -hmm. And he's, and he kind of looked at me and I could, I mean, he was overwhelmed. I mean, every hour there was some new information coming in. Absolutely. Yeah. And I said, do you trust me to put all this together and, and come up with a plan? And he was like, Sure. So mm -hmm. in three days, I managed to get, I got all the Zoom stuff taken care of, got all the trainers set up. We had a meeting and of course had to, multiple people had to learn how to do some of this stuff with the technology. Right. And then we started out really slow with the group fitness, but we've, because we're a small gym and it's a very community-based organization, we've had, I mean, we've had some members drop off, but mm -hmm. 
we've been able to offer enough in terms of personal training and our group fitness classes that we've held on to people and people are flocking to these online class. I'm busier now than I was when I was working in the office every day. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? And, and when people say, oh, you know, I'm resting or this is like a vac vacation. I'm like, what vacation? Right <laughs> as hard as I was. And I've yeah. had to really learn to set boundaries because I'll find myself at 1030 at night, still doing work emails or on the weekend. And it's like, I need to give myself specific windows of this is work time. This is personal yeah. time. Yeah. And, you know, and I can go back and forth to get into the club and get to my office and work from home. So thankfully, because I live by myself, I was going to ask, I live by myself. Sometimes I get a little sick of looking yeah. at the four walls within <laughs> which I live. So it's yeah. nice sometimes to get out and do that. How are you handling being in your space? Um. Well, so it's, I am quarantining with a partner for the most part. I have my space still, but he and I are spending most of our time together at his place, uh, which is nice to have that companionship. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Given the last year that I had and like everything that I went through with my personal life and my mental health, I don't know if I would be okay had it have I had just had myself here in my place, you know, and, and had to do all of this alone. I don't know if I would have been able to survive it the way that I have. So I'm extremely grateful that the cards have kind of fallen how they have. So let's segue into talking about all of that, because there's been a lot of change in your life in a short period of time. <clears throat> yeah, in the last year, there really has been. And, and I don't want to, you know me, Sherry, like I am an open book and I like to talk about things. There's going to be certain things that I am not ready to talk about, not ready to share, like as far as specifics go. Um, and you know what? You know me, whatever feels good for you to share is great. Whatever you don't want to talk about, that's your choice to do. Yeah, so. yeah I know. And in the right time, in the right place, you know, I, we can always circle back and you know, <laughs> spill the tea. But for the time being, no, so I left my husband about this time last year. I mean, my, I've been in my place for about 11 months now. My lease is up at the end of this month. And that was kind of just the beginning of the worst year of my life. <laughs> it's been really, it's been a really challenging year. So my ex and I, we had a good relationship, a good marriage, um, we were friends, we were business partners, we got each other, you know, we'd been together since we were 18, but there was something missing for me, something that I, I needed more, I think, from a partner, from my husband, from my spouse, a little more than just a roommate, a friend, and someone that I cared about, a little more passion, a little more fire, a little more, I don't know, like, I, it's hard to put into words without, like, getting too specific or into too much detail, but I knew that something had been missing. And I... For, for quite some time, or was this just something recently that, you know... Um, for quite some time, but it's something that I had always... You, you know, you play the devil and the angel, and yeah. no matter what kind of relationship you're in, you're going to compromise something. And, you know, I'd had this conversation with girlfriends for years and years and years where, you know, people go through phases where they're not happy in their marriage. Like I, right. I totally get that, you know, or their relationships or whatever it is. And, right. and through the years of these conversations, whether it was on my end or girlfriend's ends, you know, it's, it always came down to whatever you're not happy about, you're going to trade that 
for someone else that has those things and they're going to have things that you're not going to be happy about. So it's kind of what are you willing to compromise on? What are you willing to trade for and what's important to you? But I had decided that what I was looking for was going to be was more important than than staying. Uh, And it had been on and off for years, you know. And I think well, you guys were together for a long time and you've been together since you were young people. And as you and I both know, as you get older and things change and you learn more about yourself and, you know, I think that there are couples who can grow together through that and get better. And I think there are people who either one or both of them end up going in a different direction. And it's no, you know, like you said, you guys had a good marriage, but it's, you're going to come to a point where it's like, you know, I either want something different. I want something more, whatever it is. Yeah. Doesn't mean that it was awful or he was awful or you were awful or anything. It just means that you've come to a place in your life where it's a fork in the road and you need to make a choice. And so, you know, it happens life happens right. it totally does and and I you know I still to this day after everything that I went through last year I know that I made the right decision for me like I it's you know I've been through therapy I've been you know through all sorts of treatment and stuff and spent a lot of time working on myself and kind of holding up a mirror to the ways in which I can be a better partner and the ways in which I can bring more to a relationship and that was a huge takeaway for me coming out of my marriage was how can I be better? Like, how can I show up in a relationship fully, wholly committed, you know, completely present and willing to work in a partnership? Communication was something huge for me. I didn't communicate. I I mean, my ex was blindsided. He had no idea that anything was wrong, that there were any problems, that I wasn't happy because I am a conflict avoidant and I, I never said anything. I didn't want to upset him. I didn't want to upset what we had. I figured I would just swallow whatever was not okay with me and eventually everything would be okay or I would settle with it and it would be fine. Well, you know, it makes me think back to the first interview that we did together and the fact that, you know, it was a step outside of your comfort zone to Mm share in that arena and be that open. And then having conversations sometimes when we did the topic talk sections, I I can remember one in specific where you were like, I sat here with a stomach ache the whole time we were talking about this. These were things that I think you sort of knew about yourself anyway, but Mm -hmm. I, I give you tremendous respect and incredible resilience on your part to be able to look at yourself and say, where do I need to be a better person? Where yeah. do I need to show up more? Not for necessarily always for someone else, but for yourself too, right? Because I mean, I know you've done yeah. a lot of introspection into your yourself and yeah. how you relate to yourself. And I watched you as you this was playing out over the course of the last year. And I just, you know, I hope that you understand how incredible it is that instead of just saying, I'm not happy here, I'm going to go over here and be happy and move on to something or someone else that you really took that time to spend Mm -hmm. with yourself and learn about yourself and learn about what you do in a relationship or in a partnership and how you maybe want to do better. I mean, a lot of people don't do that, Jenna. That's hard work, as you and I both (laughs) Yeah. And and girl, trust me, I am still working on it. Like there's still stuff coming up, you know, every other day where I'm like, shit, like I could have done better. I should have handled this differently. And, 
And not not that I'm like beating myself up for it. I'm using it all as a learning process, you know. Right. And but you are aware. Yeah. And well, one of the biggest things in the relationship that I'm in right now is I'm trying not to, I don't have like a specific example, but something had happened and he had said, well, are you upset? And I was like, no, I'm not upset about it. I was very clearly upset about it, but I was not willing to admit that I was upset. And he was like, well, no, it's okay if you are. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. He goes, look, it's okay if it, if you're upset, if you're mad at me, if I did something wrong, like it's okay for you to feel that way. It's not the end of our relationship. It's something that we talk about, we work through and we grow from that, you know, like it's okay to be mad. It's okay to have a problem. It's okay to fight. It's okay to light a little fire every once in a while and and for me that was that was a huge kind of aha moment because my ex and I very very rarely ever fought because I I remember you saying that that you mm -hmm. guys never fought yeah it was never worth it to me to fight to have an opinion to admit that I was upset or that were, there you was a problem. Of, were you afraid of the consequences? What was, what do you think the motivation was? Do you, do you know yet? Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure. I was never afraid of him and by any means, like I was right. never in any danger, any harm on any, in any capacity. What I've realized a lot of that is being okay, not being perfect or mm -hmm. having faults or having failures or, not being composed, I think, like being upset makes me feel like I don't have my shit together. Like you're messy. Yeah. And, I forget, um, tell me where you are in the birth order in your family. I'm a middle child. Yeah. yeah. So, so you were probably the peacekeeper in your family a little oh, bit? Oh, I, I still am. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you just want to ride that fence line where you're not, you want to keep everybody safe, happy, and loved. And yeah. so that means that Jenna doesn't get to exhibit, not just in your family, but if you think about it as women, we're not allowed to be angry. We're not allowed to sometimes be sad if we're too emotional one way or the other. Oh, she must be on her period mm -hmm. or you know, whatever it is. We get that conditioning socially from the mm -hmm. outside world, as well as the roles that we play in our families. Right. So that's interesting that um, you make that comment about the fact that, you know, you just it just wasn't worth it to you to have any sort of confrontation on any yeah. level. And I've been like that since I could speak. You know, always the peacekeeper and never wanting the confrontation. And, and I think it comes with age a little bit now. And it comes with the work that I've done where I'm a little bit more, you know, I'm okay voicing my opinion and, and having things be a little bit messy. And Well, and it sounds like you found someone who's able to communicate with you and to be able to tell you that it's safe for you to be able to do this so that you guys can, you know, go together on that path to figure it out. And, you know, that doesn't always happen either. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, communication good. is one of the strongest qualities that he and I have. And, it, well, it, that's and we talk about how grateful we are because, you know, neither one of us had really had that in the past, whether it be our own fault or our partner's fault or whoever's, you know, and, right. and it's still, you know, it comes up regularly where it's like, it's okay. Like, let's talk about these things. And, and it's a totally safe space. And, and we're both there to support each other. And, and it's interesting because I know that like, whatever it is he has to say, I'm willing to hold that space and to work through it and to process it together and figure out what we need to do. And so just like, realizing that if I can do that, then my partner can also do that for me as well. Right. Well, yeah. and he's able to verbalize to you that that space is available and he's there for it. He's present with you, which right. is, that's incredible. You know, if you think about when you met your ex, you guys were 18 years old, you were babies, you know? Babies. And so yeah. 
there were roles that you guys started to play together that probably never really changed much throughout your relationship mm -hmm. in all right. of this time, right? It just fascinates me now to look back after doing all of the incredibly difficult work. And, you know, honestly, I think that you, my attitude now is that if you're not paying attention to things in your life every single day, that you're, you're not growing. I mean, I think that there's always going to be something new to learn about yourself. I don't care how old you are. Yeah, and, um, and, and being able to stay present with that and aware with that is so important to just continuing to be as healthy as you can as a human being. It's one of those things where, boy, sometimes I feel like doing that work, I'm, I don't know how you feel. It feels like you're going in there and poking at a hornet's nest with a stick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it really is. Oh, and I don't know if, I don't wanna cut you off, but no, no, last year I, I had my first anxiety attack I had a couple, but I had my first last year ever. Mm. And I don't know if we've talked about this or if you like know this about me, but I am I am pretty self-aware. Like I I can sense when things are off. I can sense when, you know, when I'm just am not in like a natural state or or you know, everything's not like writing how it should be. And I was in the shower and I felt like my heart kind of racing a little bit and my mind obviously wondering wandering and I was like shit I'm I, I am not okay like I something is about to explode and so I was like breathing trying to compose myself and nothing was working and I was sitting on my bedroom floor and I had texted two friends and I said hey I'm not okay like I and my friends were at the ready like all last year like I my friends were my lifesavers like I have the best girlfriends that I can go on and on and on about how much they saved me last year and were there for me. So I text a couple and one wrote back. She's like, I'm leaving work on. I'm going to be right over. And I was like, the door's unlocked. I'm, I'm, I think I'm having a panic attack. And, and at the moment that like I put my phone down, I was hyperventilating. I couldn't mm -hmm. stop sobbing. My heart was going to explode. I could, I can't, I've never cried that hard. And I've been through some shit. Like I have never released that much emotion in one sitting and she came over and she I'm naked on the floor out of the shower just sobbing and just a complete mess and you know it took me a little bit of time to kind of get over that and that was almost the peak of the shit storm last year for me emotionally and the release that I needed to start healing I, you know, I had spent years and years and years just stuffing all of this emotion down, stuffing everything down, keeping it all in. And it popped and it just exploded and it was out there. And I was able to kind of start piecing, putting the pieces back together and kind of rebuild myself in like a healthier space, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Absolutely. But it was well, kind of my transformation. Having a panic attack is a very scary thing. Yeah, I didn't realize that I started having them at 10 years old, that that's what yeah. was happening to me. I just thought that I that there was something wrong. You know, I yeah. was too emotional or whatever it was. But I didn't realize until recently that, you know, that's really what's been going on. And some of times it was daily. Sometimes it was multiple times in a day. You know, when you're a kid and that's going on. And back then, nobody really talked about stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And I just thought it was just a part of who I was, right? I mean, that was just a part of I was overly emotional or whatever anybody wanted to label it. That's mm -hmm. what it was. And I found a really great therapist and she's like, Sherry, you have actually been having panic attacks since you were 10 years old. 
in well, some form or another. And yeah. just being able to have that information and understand that that's what it was, was sort of like the tipping, like there was a tipping point for me to go, okay, so I'm not broken. Yeah. I'm, I'm not fucked up beyond all repair that there's, there's actually something physically happening. Mm-hmm. Things got much better until this whole thing happened. And there was about three weeks into between the first part of March and closer towards the end of the the month where I was having panic attacks every day. And sometimes they were waking me up in the middle of the night because I was just so overwhelmed with stuff, work stuff, home stuff. What am I going to, how, you know, how am I going to make sure my kids are okay and the grandbaby's okay. And, and it was just, it was, unbelievable but thankfully they've calmed down and i'm okay but boy they're scary that's no joke having a panic attack like yeah. that especially if you've never yeah. had one before i can only imagine and then being just all alone too i was just like what's gonna yes. happen is my heart gonna explode yeah. like i i knew that i, I got to have a heart attack what was gonna happen yeah 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 yeah. yeah. I had my therapist had explained it to me how she was like, I want you to take a beach ball. And this was like in the middle of summer. She's like, take a beach ball. Do you have a beach ball? And I was like, no. She's like, well, pick one up and take it to your pool and hold on to it. And I want you to dive down as deep as you can into your pool and hold that ball underwater as long as you can. She goes, you're not going to last very long. She goes, those are your emotions. You're stuffing them down. You're stuffing them down. It's not going to stay down forever. And eventually it's just going to yeah. pop up and explode yeah. all over the place. So it was kind of a good analogy for me to kind of understand what was happening. You know, and I've talked to so many people and I think about how long it took me to get to this point for whatever reason that it's, that's the time it took is the time it took. And I'm talking to people who are younger than I am, who have found this emotional intelligence and this emotional intelligence language so much earlier. And I just, it's so, I'm so happy because mm-hmm. I know what it's like to go most of your life and not have that capacity or the understanding or or even be able to, I mean, I worked with therapists, but the concepts never really, and I think it was because I had to hit whatever that breaking point was before. Right. It's going to look different for everyone. Yeah. There's going to be a trigger or whatever it is that's going to just be your point of yeah realization. And it was interesting after that, a lot of the anger and the deep sadness and all of those things that were just flooding me every single day started to recede and it started to give me a space to be able to have more compassion, not just for myself, but for other people. To heal. Yeah. 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 And to know that when certain things happened, it is because of patterns of behavior that are learned in families. They can pass Mm -hmm. from one generation to the next, that people in other generations don't realize that that's what's happening. And, um, and And we learn these coping patterns as children. Like you said, from the time that you could speak, you were the peacekeeper. Right. So if you think about how many years that pattern was ingrained in your life, in your brain, yeah. that's a that's a big thing to yeah and it's not just going to change overnight no. <laughs> <clears throat> no I can tell you I have purchased every communication self-help book on the topic that I can that I have come across over the last year and, and like and I, I'm interested in doing the work like I like I said in the beginning like I want to be a better person in for my in the relationship I have with myself and the relationship I have with 
friends, family, a partner, you know, whoever it is and, and whatever that looks like, like I want to show up the best that I can in all capacities and, and I'll fuck up and I'll do a bad job in some situations. Then I'll, and then you continue to do better. You know, you learn and you grow from your, your mistakes and your experiences. You made a comment earlier about letting go of having to be perfect Mm-hmm. of making sure that everything was kind of at an even keel and things being messy. And I think that for those of us that are, that ride that perfectionist train, yeah, it's really hard to remember that it's okay to make a mistake. Oh yeah. That everybody makes mistakes. Everybody sometimes says the wrong thing, does the wrong thing, makes a choice that maybe didn't turn out to be so great that we, all as human beings are fallible mm-hmm. and we still all deserve to have love, compassion, and respect. Yeah. yeah. And that you don't have to show up and live up to anyone else's expectations about who you are, who you should be, what you should do in order to be receiving of love. Right. And that was a big one for me. Yeah. And I think building upon that for me, it's not so much of like other people's expectations of myself, but the expectations I have of myself, not what other people have. Well, but I found that my expectations of myself were coming from things that I had messages I had heard. Oh yeah. Life. Maybe I haven't got to that point yet. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. I mean, that, that's just my experience, but yeah. that, that that's what it was, was that, you know, if I was just perfect. If I was the perfect employee, the perfect daughter, the perfect wife, the perfect sister, the mother, the whatever it was, then everyone would be happy. And, you know, you can't make everybody happy. And I was miserable. So those are the things that you, you really don't think about it. But I just kept thinking if I just keep, you know, dancing a little faster and doing everything the way everybody thinks I should be doing it to make everyone happy, then it's all going to be okay. And that was never going to, that was never going to work. So tell me about what are some of the observations that you've been making during this whole quarantine situation and the upheaval of the world? Observations I've made during... Observations during all of this, the quarantine, this whole upheaval, upheaval of the world, like what are some observations that you've been noticing in your daily life? Oh my gosh. Um, aside from people not being able to drive. Well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that earlier, everybody, about how yeah. people, the stupid drivers, the people's, for, they've forgotten how they've to forgotten drive. They've forgotten how to drive. They've forgotten yeah. how to drive. Observations I've made. So I think that it's really interesting to me how divided, it shouldn't be interesting to me because the country's divided in every which way in general. But even during this pandemic, like how it's so open everything back up, keep everything closed. It's very divided as far as like what how people want to progress forward in all of this. And wear a face mask, don't wear a face mask. Wear gloves, don't wear gloves. Like it's just very divided. And there's a lot of judgment and a lot of fear and, and hate, I think, surrounding all of that. And And that's an observation I've made of just like, even in this situation, we can't come together. Like they want to, like people want to present that like there's this unity in this pandemic and there really isn't. I call them the cough and the mask Nazis when they're out in public. If they see that you're out and you're not wearing a mask, they want to give you, you know, these nasty looks. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, 
You do you, baby. I'm going to do me. I am circumventing around you at more than six feet. Right. Right. So don't worry about me. I'm going to be okay. You just, you police your own self and stop policing me. Thank you. Yeah. I know it was, um, I had to, right before we connected today, I had, I had no food in my place. So I had to stop at the grocery store and get like one of those rotisserie chickens yeah. to throw in, in a salad that I had here. And I realized people aren't communicating like, at all. like there's no eye contact with people that you pass by. There's no excuse me. There's no, I'm sorry. Because people are afraid to like even project anything out of their mouths as far as words go or or anything. And it just is so odd to me that like there we're losing so much human connection through yeah, all of this. I, I, I think it's, it's, there's a lot of fear. And so yeah. everybody, instead of looking at each other going, we are all in this together. They're looking at you going, you might make me sick. Right. Interesting thing is, is, you know, I live in a pretty small community and all of our markets around here have done such a good job in terms of putting arrows down and maintaining six feet and they put plexiglass up to protect all of their workers. And, you know, most of the workers are wearing masks and or gloves. And Mm -hmm. as somebody who has allergies and exercise induced asthma, for me, breathing that carbon monoxide that I'm emitting behind a mask is the worst thing that I can do for myself. Mm-hmm. And then it creates, I break out in hives. And so I end up touching my face a lot. And mm-hmm. so I don't wear a mask. Counterproductive and, for you. And everything else that I have seen has said, listen, a mask isn't doing what people think it's doing. No. If you wear a mask and it's fogging up your glasses, <laughs> That's not doing anything, right? Yeah. The germs are still getting out there. So yeah. it's a false sense of security. And uh-huh. I understand that some people, they need that security blanket to be, be able to function every day in their jobs. And I understand that there is so much fear out there, but I just think that we need to get beyond the fear. And what do we need to do to take care of each other, right? Yeah. I mean, my mom talks about and my, even my grandmother, when she was alive, talking about the Great Depression and how people made it through was because they took care of each other. Mm. I do know that, you know, there are people out there that are helping other people. But when I walk down the street, a lot of times when I see other people without a mask, we kind of give that there's this look that you give each other. It's like, yeah, we're on the same page. <laughs> And then, and then you see some of those people and, and they're just, some of them are clueless. They take up the whole sidewalk. They stand in the middle of the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. So everyone else has to move around them mm-hmm. or they come in the grocery store and there's two of them shopping together. And my thing is, is one person shops, you come in with your list, you have a targeted setup of where you're going to go, what you're going to get, you get your shit and you get out of there and you go home. Right. Don't stand in the middle of the aisle talking or discussing or, you know, <laughs> Touching everything. Oh, no, I don't want this one. Oh, I don't want this one. Let's put this one back. (laughs) Right? And when you're wearing gloves, everything you're touching, you're spreading that everywhere you go. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, my thing is, is I go do my shopping. I come home. I put everything out in the hallway. I empty out everything, put stuff away, get rid of all the packaging, and wash my hands. Yeah, yeah. I touch my face a whole lot less when I'm not wearing a mask than when I do. Yeah. So it just. Well, I think it really comes down to that. Like, wash your hands. Yes. I wash my your fingers in your mouth. Like, like I don't know. Don't pick your nose. Don't pick your nose and wipe it on. 
<laughs> I know. So I'm a, I might get stoned in the streets, but I I hike still. So I'm still going out outdoors and hiking and going on walks and stuff. And for a while, the the trails were still pretty crowded. Um, I mean, it's a hundred degrees now here, so they're not so yeah. much anymore. Um, but the thing I think that has bothered me the most is gaggles of teenagers that you know are not living together. They're not quarantined together. I'm talking like eight to 12 teams just hanging out together. And you know, they're not like, they're like passing drinks around and who knows what else, you know? And, and I think that's the one thing that bothers me more than anything else that I've kind of observed is just like, where's the, where's the disconnect here? Like, Well, and they think that because of their age, they don't have to worry about it, that, you know, that they don't have any, and, you know, in that age anyway, it's all about them. They don't really think about necessarily, and that's a generalization because there are teenagers who do think about others. But there are adults who do not. (laughs) Well, there's that too. But I, I, and I think back to how social a lot of kids are, that how hard this whole thing has been for them is to not be able to see their friends and yeah. not be able to do the things that they want to do and not have a prom and not have a graduation. I mean, that's all very, very difficult. I, I look at stuff like that and, and they're out in public and they don't always represent themselves to the best possible version of themselves that they could possibly be. I walk the beach almost every day. The beach is generally a place that's not very busy. And for the first couple of weeks, it wasn't very busy, although it's getting a little busier now than it used to be. But, you know, there's plenty of room on the beach for me to sidestep somebody if that's what Mm -hmm. I have to do. But it's, uh, I don't know. I, I just... And I, I get to go and see my granddaughter, but we have to stay six feet away. And that's really difficult for me and very yeah. difficult for her. She just keeps waiting. Are the big germs gone yet, Momo? Oh, poor girl. Not yet, lovey. Yeah. Soon. We know. Soon. We know. So, yeah, we had, um, I had my birthday in April. Yeah. And so, you know, we had a little parade, just friends and family. I saw that on on Instagram. But it was so, it was still so hard to like see my brothers and not like be able to hug them. Like we're a hugging family. We're like super touching. I'm like, but that's your brother. You should be able to, but you can't, you know? And so that's been really hard. And I've gone and sat in a driveway, you know, we've had like our social distancing, you know, conversations, you know, every once in a while, but it's, it's definitely hard. Like I miss hugging people, you know, I miss that physical connection. And, and I think that people are forgetting how to communicate even more so than we already have been really bad at communicating, right. Because of like everything being online. And I'm worried that we're kind of going to be starting over from scratch and like how to carry a conversation. And Well, I think that, and I think just people retreating into themselves mm-hmm. and, you know, and they're dealing with their own anxiety and stress and whatever else it is that's showing up for them. And, you know, this is going to be, I mean, what I do like is that there have been more conversations about mental health, about feelings and feeling your feelings mm-hmm. and about, all of that. I, Brene Brown has a new podcast that came out right as quarantine started. I could listen to that woman read the freaking yellow pages and she would make me feel relaxed. I, I, I don't know. It, it, sometimes it's her voice, but it's just the way that she 
talks and she makes you seem like you're normal. As weird as you could possibly be, you know, what you're going through is normal. And she's been having some really great conversations with people about communication and about mental health and all of this stuff. And I'm hoping that we bring some of that out back into the world when we're done being yeah. sheltering at home all the time. Uh, what I'm concerned about is, is that it's going to be like going to the horse race, you know, the buzzer goes off and everyone flies out the door and they just want their old life back so bad that they're just going to do whatever it takes to get there. I'm just hoping that we come out with a little more respect for each other and for ourselves and for the planet that we live on. I know. I hope so too. I mean, I'm looking at some of the pollution reports in like LA and Seattle and how the pollution has just dumped off the edge and how the fish are coming back to Venice in Italy and all of these things that the world, the, the, the natural world is incredible. I saw a photo in National Geographic of a pride of lions laying across the road in a nature preserve because there was no cars or people on the road. So they were like, hey, we're just going to hang out here. So I just hope that things like that, that we can learn to live a little bit better together as humans in the planet, but we'll have to, that remains to be seen whether that can happen. Yeah, I feel like there will be a kind of like a grace period, right? Where everyone cherishes life and cherishes relationships and cherishes the planet and cherishes like sanitation. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and I I have a fear that that is not, it's going to lose its charm, right? It's going to, things are going to retrograde back to normal. Well, you know, I think that, I think we're going to roll out for a while. And I think that then, we're going to see whatever round two is that comes through this and we're going to end up back to, you know, a more space where we're back at home again. And, uh, but I do think that there are some businesses that have learned that you don't all have to be in a giant office building sitting in a cubby or sitting in a big open room with 800 other people working that actually people are more effective working from home. (laughs) Can you imagine like the, yeah, and the overhead that the companies can save on. Yeah, well, the, their- I was reading about something about the city of Seattle was looking to up its per capita tax. So that means for every body that's in a building that a business will pay more money and that people like Amazon and Starbucks and Microsoft may be telling their people just to continue working from home mm-hmm. so that they don't have to pay more taxes. Yeah. And then what do you do with all those empty buildings? Yeah. Maybe they turn them into housing that's actually housing affordable. For homeless. <laughs> well, or housing that's affordable. I mean, right. you know, I mean, Seattle has gotten ridiculous for housing prices. Tell me what you have on the horizon or in your heart that you are thinking about that's exciting that you're passionate about that you're you maybe you don't even know all the answers but something that's sort of stoking those flames for you oh boy no you're that's a really tough question for me right now because i i have been in this transition of do i get like a full-time big girl job do i i need you know like i'm figuring out ways in which i need to support myself financially now that i'm on my own being a yoga instructor is not cutting that. I mean, especially now, right? 
So I, the hardest thing that I've been going through that really beats me up is what that looks like, is what my future looks like and having, you know, what those opportunities are for me and what my career, what my future career kind of looks like. You know, I'm online just searching job postings and any sort of positions that fit something that I could see myself in. You know, I don't have a bachelor's degree. I went to trade school and I became a yoga instructor and then I ran the business um, with my ex. And although I'm qualified for quite a bit because of my experience, I struggle with putting myself out there and having that self-worth of of applying for jobs and seeking what what possibilities are out there because I don't have a bachelor's degree. And so looking forward and what I'm excited about and what's on the horizon, like I really am having a hard time looking forward and looking at the future. I've been very present and like, what can I do right now? Okay. So let's change that then. What are you excited and passionate about right now? (laughs) It doesn't have to be anything big. What makes you smile? (laughs) Can you go back to the coronavirus? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll just label Um, that. No. Yeah, no, my I mean, the relationship that I'm in right now, I mean, it feels really good. And it feels very promising. And we have a really good connection. And I'm not trying to project what the future looks like there. I'm trying to just be very present in that. And it's good right now. And I'm happy where it is right now. And and that's good enough for me. Um, But that makes me smile. That makes me happy. Good. Yeah, my brother's getting married in June. So I'm excited about that. Oh, so how are they going to, are they just going to do whatever happens to be available for them to do or have they their, well, their initial, they live in Arizona and their initial plan was to get married in Colorado in like in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're still going to do that. Just seeing kind of what the rules and laws are and that once we get to that date in later June and see what kind of rules they need to put in place for their ceremony and their reception and stuff. But I'm excited for him. I mean, both my brothers getting married this year, my baby brother got married March 1st before all of this came down. (laughs) They squeaked it right in under the wire. They did. (laughs) Yeah. So expanding the family a little bit. I mean, they both have wonderful ladies that they're bringing in and I'm excited for that. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing with what are you going to do and how are you going to support yourself and all of that? It's there are times when it gets really stuck or it gets easy to get stuck in that the wheels grinding with that. It's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? You know, am I qualified? Do I know enough? You know, do I have enough experience? And what are they going to tell me? And all of those things. And I guess the only thing that I would tell you is to just try and be open. There may yeah. be something unusual or different, or you might not think you really qualify, but maybe it's interesting to you. And don't get caught up in that whole thing of, I don't have a bachelor's degree, or no. I, you know, I ran the business and I did this, that, or the other thing. I think all bets are off right now. And, yeah. Well, um, right. And then also like trying to look for a new job and make a switch in this situation is not ideal either. Um, right. So no, I'm open. And I think that where I'm stuck, like where I feel stuck is I want something unusual. I want something out of the box. Like I want an opportunity that maybe isn't, you know, your standard operating procedures. And, and I kind of want someone to be like, no, you would be great for this. And then like have that opportunity, you know, 
Well, and and where you you may go somewhere where you get your foot in the door and it isn't where you ultimately want to be, but it gives you some tools or keys or things to be able to then make the leap to somewhere else. So I guess what I would say is don't just think that whatever it is that you're trying to find has to be the be all end all. Look at it as this is a launch pad for, and you may pick up some information, right? You may pick up some information about yourself, about the workforce or whatever it is that you didn't have before that then you then that adds to your capacity to be able to think a little bit differently and look at something else. So yeah, just don't, um, I guess just don't limit yourself because you may feel like, oh my God, I just got to take whatever it is, but at least try and find something that speaks to you and just Mm -hmm. tell yourself, you know what, you don't have to do anything for the rest of your life. And you you get in there, you make a little bit of money and you go, yeah, this isn't going to cut it and go somewhere else. Or, you know, I've got a, my, one of my very good friends who was unhappy with her job for the longest time. And she knew she wanted to change and her commute got really long and she was just trying, she was wrestling with it and she doesn't know what she wants to do. And she's an artist and she doesn't really want to do the same thing she was doing. And she lost her job. And she's like, Sherry, I just keep thinking every day that I should be doing this or I should be doing that, or this should be happening or whatever it is. And she's like, I end up just sitting there staring off into space. And I said, you know what? Sometimes that's what your body needs. Sometimes you have to let go enough to be able to give your body the time to sit and stare off so that it can start to decompress. And then once that starts to happen, then the brain starts to function a little bit better and you start thinking more creatively. But I think if you ever come from a place of fear or I've got to do this to survive or whatever it is that you choke off that stream of being able to to look at something, like you said, I want something unusual or outside the box or that has nothing to do with the box. Mm-hmm. And so if you can stay more in that frame of reference, that kind of energy, then just say to yourself, well, I'm not good enough, or I don't have a degree, or I don't have this, or I don't. but you know what, that unusual thing is going to look at you and go, Jenna, you've got just what we need. And we didn't even know that we needed it. Yeah. And you're going to walk through the door and you're going to bring some kind of a different perspective because there's nobody else like you out there. And it may be that you know like this much about what they ultimately want for the job, but you walk through the door, you bring your enthusiasm, your creativity and all of that, and you just blossom into whatever it is that they need. It's hard to get it. What's my purpose? What's my path? I should know what my path and my purpose are. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> That hasn't been my experience ever. So. Girl, yeah, I know that. Like, that's been my like. That's been my record on repeat lately. Is just like, what the fuck is the point? Like, what's my purpose? What am I doing? Why am I here? What am I living for? Like, not in like a dark way, but just like, what? Like, why? Why am I here? Right. Right. What's yeah. what's you know what's my existence supposed to be all about? Yeah. And I just think that where we are right now and where we're going to end up later, that there is going to be a whole bunch of things that are going to change in work, in how people work, in the things that are important, the things that people are willing to pay money for, that, you know, there's going to be, there's, there's over 30 million people in this country that have lost their jobs. How do we move beyond what that is and what comes out the other side of that? So your path and purpose may show up in six months from now in some space that you never even, that wasn't even there before. So That is what I'm hoping for, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I want my mind to be blown. (laughs) I will keep you in mind for everything that I hear about that is unusual or outside the box. (laughs) And I might even move to Seattle because my sister would not be mad about that. (laughs) I know she would not be. I wouldn't be mad about that either. I think that there's going to be a lot of different and unusual and interesting opportunities that not everybody's going to be open to. And you're in a unique position to be able to go, well, I like this and this and this. And let's see what happens. Yeah. So you work for a little while and you go, yeah, not so much. I like these things, don't like this. So then you're going to look yeah. out for something else. I, I just think that you're in a kind of an, in a unique and, and somewhat enviable position from the standpoint that you're seeking for something that you don't really, really quite know what it is. And there are changes that are going to happen that could be totally just walk right through your door. And you were like, well, there it is. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate the little pep talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me and sharing. I know that there has been so much in your life in the last year that, I mean, basically you just, everything was a complete and utter upheaval. And I know that that road is ups and downs and you got a smile on your face. You look happier than I think that I've ever seen you look in the time that I've known you. Thank you. Yeah, I am pretty happy. And I think that's a really wonderful thing. I just appreciate so much you taking the time and sharing all of those things about yourself. And it seems like it's much easier for you to talk about those things than it was. Before. Yeah, you know, some things are I'm, I really am. I know I mentioned it before we were record, we were recording, but I really am looking forward to the day that I can, you know, not be so guarded in the, the things that I'm sharing. And I can speak more freely, not that I'm like being deceptive in any way, but there are just certain no. things that, like I'm not ready to speak about. But I am looking forward to the day in which I can be. Well, and I, I also think that I don't think that you necessarily want to be a wide open book. I think that sharing bits and pieces that you think might be helpful for someone else Mm -hmm. to know, but I don't know that everyone warrants you sharing every single thing that you've gone through to get to the point of where you are. And as you mentioned, everybody's experience is different. We all go through things at different points in our lives, at different paces. Nobody's going to arrive at the same place at the same time. And so I think that make sure you hold on to those things that are things you need to share with only the people that matter the most to you and then share what feels comfortable because it doesn't make you any less real or open or honest. It just makes you very thoughtful about what you choose to share. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, look for Jenna to come back and join myself and Bentley because hold on, people, the topic talks are coming back. And I (laughs) have a suspicion that during the time of COVID that all bets are going to be off and it could be a freeform wild ass ride. So (laughs) stay tuned for that. I'll be giving you some more information about all of that coming up. And thanks so much, Jenna. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you.